You're listening to Upstream, a production of the open source and standards team at Red Hat. For more podcasts and updates, visit community.redhat.com or follow us on Twitter at Red Hat Open. This is Joe Brockmeyer, and we are at Red Hat Summit. I'm standing here with Langdon White, and he is, among other things, one of the people behind the recently launched softwarecollections.org. Tell me a little bit about your role at Red Hat and then what the role is with softwarecollections.org. So as you said, my name is Langdon White, and uh, I am what's called a developer evangelist for Enterprise Linux. So basically, I go and talk to developers about what are tools, or like kind of what tools we have available and what they might be interested in to solve the problems they're looking to solve and I take their feedback and I go talk to engineering about what problems they might have. So to talk a little bit about software collections, what we needed with the product that we've been shipping for the past year or so, Red Hat Software Collections and Developer Toolset, was an upstream because it didn't really fit in Fedora or, you know, kind of in CentOS or any of those things. It kind of, it's a little orthogonal. So we created this new site, softwarecollections.org, to try to provide a way for a community to kind of coalesce around an upstream of our toolchain. Can you give us a little bit of background on what software collections really are? As brilliant as they are, I think it's probably one of the worst project names ever because it's just like, yes, it's a collection of software. Yeah, well, we went out of our way to actually make it as uh, obtuse as possible because, you know, that was kind of our objective. Okay, so software collections, the conceptually, they're very, they're actually very, very simple. Even implementation-wise, they're very, very simple. Software collections are a good way to package a component that you want to be kind of orthogonal to the OS itself. So when you don't want to stomp on your native install of Ruby or your native install of Python, uh, what a software collection can do is install it under op so it's available per application without out, uh, like I said, stomping on native. So it's kind of like update alternatives, except it's not for the whole OS. It's just per app. And so this enables things like Ruby or Python to be out of band so that if you have an application that depends on, say, Python 2.7 and what you have is 2.6 something on your system, then you can go ahead and install the software collection and use the tools to make the application aware of it. Is that a pretty good summary? Yeah, that's basically it. You know, you just kind of say SDL enable the name of the collection and then uh, whatever application you want to run. So right now we're shipping Python 2.7, we're shipping Python 3.3, and obviously updating Python in Linux is often not a good idea because so much of Linux is written in Python. That's why it's a great example of kind of an orthogonal install. The other thing that is uh, people kind of often ask is like, so how is this different from something like virtualenv? Well, it's actually very similar to things like virtualenv. It's just that it's more generic. So instead of virtualenv for Python, right, or RVM for Ruby, or I think there's even one for Node.js now, you kind of have this more generic OS-level way of accomplishing having multiple versions of something. And you can just run yum update, and you get patches and all that other stuff without having to kind of use that whole new tool chain. That being said, you can actually use virtualenv with the software collection. So you can kind of have software collection that's giving you Python 2.7, say, and then have virtualenv within it. And if you check out a developer blog, there's actually some articles about how to do that. One of the other questions that I have about this is how difficult is it for people who are traditionally used to packaging things with RPM? Is it going to be significantly more difficult for them to package things for software collections? So if they are already packaging uh, Python, is it going to be harder to package a software collection of Python? So 
yes, it's harder, but it shouldn't be much harder. Uh, and the reason it's harder is because you have to make decisions about what you want to include in the collection. So a software collection is really actually a set of RPMs, which can also be confusing at times. When you create a software collection, what you want to do is essentially you create a meta package uh, that is, call it Python 3.3, that depends in turn on all the RPMs you need for Python 3.3, but you're going to want to carry some libraries directly in um, the software collection that normally you'd be picking up from the OS because you you know you need a more recent version of glibc say so as a result you're gonna you need to do some decision making around including that stuff but technically speaking so yes it's harder in the sense you have to hold more stuff but from an implementation perspective it's just actually adding a couple of macros to your spec file and you're done it's just the thinking part might be a little harder when I've talked about software collections to groups when you're using something like a software collection for Ruby what happens when you do a bundle or a gym install for something that isn't packaged with a software collection where does that live how does that work first and foremost gem install with you will it will still work if you have ruby installed other than the software collection so if you do a gem install you have to be really careful about whether you're in you know kind of did you scl enable or did you not um, because it will install differently right because you'll either get the one that's native or you'll get the one that's in the software collection if you've already done an scl enable depending on the tool and this can be a little uh, weird um, you know and this is where i think like we've got some developer blog stories about this and stuff so you should go kind of look for those but as long as you're, uh, as long as you kind of SU to root rather than doing sudo, uh, most of this works fine. But so you want to do an SCL enable of Ruby, let's say, so SCL, SCL enable Ruby 193 bash, and then you would do gem install blah, 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 and it will install it in the software collection. Um, so it will kind of, can't remember how gems install, gems install under, a, I think, a gems directory, but that will be off the opt directory where the rest of the software collection is. So you've anticipated, when they were developing software collections, they anticipated this sort of thing. Exactly. And um, that's why we, I think, in the Ruby software collection is Gem as well. There's a later version of that in there too, I believe. I can't remember. You know, so easy install on the Python side is there and you can use that to install pip. You know, same kind of idea. Something else that you're working on not quite uh, related to software collections is DevAssist. Yeah, so Developer's Assistant uh, is kind of its full name. Its website is devassistant.org. What that is is for, and it's kind of appropriate being here at DevNation for this conversation, because it's for the kind of polyglot developer, really. Because at least, you know, for me, and I think for a lot of people, uh, when you go to change projects or whatever, and you, often you have to switch languages, right? So you go from Ruby to Python to Java to whatever. So what Dev Assistant is trying to do is um, simplify project creation and simplify kind of the integrations you have to do as a developer. For example, you can say DA create um, Python. I'm trying to remember the syntax, but, you know, something along those lines. Um, but you can kind of give it a flag of, oh, and I want to create a uh, GitHub repo for this, and I want it to uh, be integrated with PyDev in Eclipse, and it will actually go out and install all the things you need, and then it will also create you a directory structure that is appropriate to that language, and kind of put all the default files in there, and you know, kind of set up, uh, say, Vim or Eclipse, or whichever one you choose, or set up a GitHub repo, you know, and kind of do your initial push, and kind of all that jazz that you have to do at the beginning of every project and is different for every language and often makes you make mistakes, particularly if you're switching languages a lot. That's kind of the first step. And I think we're hoping to see it do a lot more stuff, particularly like I think the, the next logical problem place is on deployment side. You know, it's like, why do I write virtual host files every time I have to do any kind of project? You know, that should be automatable. I'd like to see that happen. 
Any last thoughts on softwarecollections.org? Oh, definitely go check it out. We're looking for people to contribute new software collections. Uh, go look at the ones we've built so you can see how they're done and, you know, the best practices there. So we really hope, you know, we start to build a community around it so that, you know, as, you know, Red Hat's, a, you know, open source company, we like contributions. We like uh, people to work together. We like a community around the things that we do because it makes it stronger. Once again, this is Joe Brockmeyer. We are at uh, DevNation slash Red Hat Summit. Uh, Langdon, thanks again for talking to me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You've been listening to Upstream, a production of the open source and standards team at Red Hat. Music for this podcast is The Big House by Jason Shaw, available under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license. For more podcasts and updates on work with the larger open source community, visit community.redhat.com or follow us on Twitter at Red Hat Open. Open.